1: Good morning, guys. It is 11 a.m. And honestly, I feel like it could be 6 p.m. I just want to say this hats off actually not even my hat off i would like to give you my hat to any single parents out there i honestly don't know how you did it how you do it every single day my oh my 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 dog's actually currently drinking my water that i put on the floor next to me so that's my water gone for the podcast duration. what was i going to say tommy went on a stag do this morning so he has taken a flight for the whole weekend and so I am on my own with Alf. Obviously, I've got help to be able to do this podcast. But you woke up at five in the morning and it's just chaos. It is chaos without that extra pair of hands. But speaking of stags and of travel, I really wanted to talk to today's guest not only because I've actually followed her Instagram account for ages I, don't, I was saying to her I don't actually even remember when I started following her but I know lots of you will follow her as well so not only do we get to discover the person behind the account but she just has this fascinating life and I can't wait to speak to her she is originally from Sweden but she's literally lived everywhere she's lived in Cyprus she's lived in Spain Italy Norway and basically is forever packing and unpacking always on the go and so because of that she decided she wanted to do a profession where she could keep traveling and explore the world so she decided to become a pilot and she gave birth to her baby daughter Alice in November 2020 and I just cannot wait it is Maria Petterson. Hello first of all. Hello. I just want to talk to you about so many things thank you for coming on because I feel like we all kind of have this like anxiety or worry about what the next steps are with going back to work or not going back to work. And then the juggle, you know, even like my experience is different to my sister's experience to my friend's experience.
2: How do you juggle being a pilot and being a mum? Good question. I, th- I think it comes with any profession that you do going back to work. you, You go back to work because you feel ready for it. It's almost like vacation going back to work from everything you need to do at home. At the same time, you get rushed with this mom guilt that you just want to be at home and you're feeling, oh, I'm leaving my baby for too long. But I'm quite fortunate in the way that the airline that I fly for, we don't do any layovers. So I get to come home at the end of every shift and cuddle with Alice and see Alice and just just be with her so it's pretty much like going back to any work how long is the shift I always wonder this about pilots and airline staff
1: especially on like the kind of European flights because I mean it's literally like it
2: lands people leave and people are on and then they're off again like all in the blink of an eye exactly so our maximum duty that we can fly is 12 hours and that's a regulation that the airline can't do anything about so that's our air law you can say but it's not unusual to have actually 12-hour shifts. So 12 hours and then you usually get to work a little bit earlier just to make sure you have everything set up, double check the flight plans and all of that. So usually I would maybe be away from home an average of 13 hours door to door.
1: Wow. And- what was it like for you? So let, let's go back to the very beginning. So obviously you got pregnant and Alice was born in November 2020. Mm-hmm. Did you get? Because I I feel like and like sorry if this is totally ignorant, but I feel like the pilot industry or career is quite a male-dominated industry. Still, is yeah. that fair? Yeah, of course. Yeah, it is. Do so they have like maternity packages in place and how supportive? All maternity packages and how supportive? Can they be? Because obviously, like, let's say, for example, Alf, this morning when I took Alf into the childminder, she actually said, oh, I I actually am a bit worried that maybe Alf has got chicken pox because I saw a little spot in his bum. Mm -hmm. I will call you if I notice anything because obviously you'll have to come and pick him up. You can't do that because if you're like halfway to, I don't know, Tenerife, you can't be like... I'm sorry, this is your pilot speaking. We're going to have to turn around <laughs> because uh, my child, Alice needs to be collected from nursery or daycare or whatever doing. it might <laughs> be.
2: It is a tricky one, and it's something that I was worried about because something could happen when we get to destination. For whatever reason, the airplane could go tech and we can't fly back. And then if they would then call me and say something have happened and I need to get back home, it's what, what do I do? So I've actually did an instructor course, which means that I can stay more in England. I don't have to leave the country. So I'm in the simulator instead of flying. So I mix the two of them, but it's good in a way that I am actually staying in the country. I don't have to leave. But otherwise, yeah, it's like, it's like you say, you get to destination, you you put your phone on and if you get a message like that, yeah, all you want to do is just to get home. Alice's dad, we, we're co-parenting, he and I, and he... He works in England, so if anything would be, then he always got his phone on as well.
1: It must be quite interesting because I hear stories. I don't know how true this is of, I mean, I actually can imagine it is very true of, you know, whether it's people at nursery or at school and they put the dad's number as the emergency contact, but yet people still call the mum when something happens. And so there's stories of female barristers or, you know, lawyers in court or doctors, surgeons who turn their phone on three, four, five hours later and they're like, why didn't you call the dad? But it's still kind of considered the sort of female's role to be the primary caregiver. Have you found it like an interesting juggle, like when you say co-parent? Because also, if you don't mind me asking, what what does your partner do? Are his work open to the fact that he is technically the sort of primary caregiver when you're
2: traveling? Not Really? It's not that easy that he can just take his bag and leave. He's a veterinary surgeon. So if he would be in surgery, of course, he, he doesn't have his phone available, but he work mainly nights. So then if anything would happen during the day, he would just make sure that he has his phone on sound if I'm flying. And then if they would call him, that he would wake up from it, of course. But funny you're saying that, that they're calling the mom instead of the dad, because when we registered Alice for Nursery, we both went there to check out the nursery to make sure that we were happy with it, and then I said, "Okay, can we have her dad's contact as the main one because he'd probably be the one dropping her off more to the nursery because for me, it didn't work with my working schedule anyway." but they still kept sending all the emails to me. Even if I, I gave them his email and said, can you make this the primary email? I would still get all the emails and I would forward it to him. So it's, it's I, I didn't really think about it before, but when you say that, that they would call the mom, it's, it's so true. When you
1: found out you were pregnant, what was your sort of like, I imagine there's like a thousand thoughts for all of us, whether you're trying to have a baby or not. There's so many thoughts that when it's actually there and it's happening and you know, it's happening, did you have to like worry about your job or did you have a set plan? Like I know I'll go on maternity leave here and I'll go back to work after two, three, four months. Yeah. But I feel like, I suppose my question to is a lot of people think like, say for example, before I had Alf, I was like, I'll have my six weeks until I recover and then I'll be back to this and I'm going to build my coaching platform. But then obviously when the baby's here, it's such a different reality to what you maybe were planning. But how soon did you go back to work and was there a part of you that just thought, how on earth am I going to, how am I going to manage? How can I be a pilot and a mom? Yeah,
2: good question, because I'm self-employed through work meaning that the day I told them that I'm pregnant, they were more like, okay, let us know when you want to come back. But it also means that I wouldn't get any paid through that time and they don't allow us to fly when pregnant. So already when I told them that I was pregnant, I first thought, all right, I'll, I'll wait the 12 weeks, which is when everyone says that, oh, I'm pregnant, which is stupid in a way because you kind of want the support on the early weeks as well. But I was supposed to wait. That was my plan. But then COVID happened and no one really knew what the deal was with being pregnant and catching COVID. So I was too scared to fly. So I told them quite early that I was pregnant, meaning that I had the whole nine to 10 month off during pregnancy. And then afterwards, coming back, I felt I needed to get back as soon as possible, only because I've been off already for nine months, not getting paid. Mm-hmm. And then I felt, okay, I need to get back to work. But it actually ended up taking me about seven months to come back. And then I had to stop flying for, for some reasons because I had a miscarriage after that. So I needed to stop flying oh, sorry. And for that reason. And so it took me almost almost a year until I was back fully. Wow. So yeah, it, it took some time. But I, my plan was, as you say, Alice was going to be born in November. And I thought, okay, by March, I'm going to be back flying full time. But yeah, that didn't happen. <laughs>
1: Firstly, I'm so sorry to hear about your loss. I, I actually did a podcast episode last week all around loss and my recent experience with loss. And mm. I think it's, I'm so sorry you went through it, but it's so um, nice I'm sorry. more people are talking about it. Are all pilots self-employed or does it depend on the airline in which you work for? Because that, it feels, it's like really shocking to hear because I'm self-employed, so I don't get returns leave. But the nature of my job was that I could work throughout my pregnancy. And obviously I could kind of go back within reason as soon as I wanted, but to hear, I guess it's like a sort of maternal discrimination because yes, I understand if it's for safety or for whatever reason that a pilot can't fly from the moment they know that they're pregnant, but how can people survive financially in those circumstances if you are a female pilot? Because regardless of if you have a partner or whatever it is, that's a huge amount of time to not get any work
2: or support 100 percent. i was lucky then that alice's dad could keep working and we were still together at that time and i had some savings that i could use as well during that time but savings would usually not be what you plan to use on a maternity leave everyone's not self-employed it's the contract that i had Looking now, it's looking like I'm going to get hired, so hooray for that. Congratulations. Um, thank you so much. But also, some airlines do allow you to fly when you are pregnant, and I was totally fine pretty much throughout my pregnancy, and I feel I like probably I've been flying until 36 weeks or something, but it was the company policy that they don't allow us to fly. and So, yeah, it's as you say, you, you'd be off for almost two years without to pay
1: What is the reason behind not letting you fly? Because surely if you have, I presume, a pilot and a co-pilot, I mean, I literally know nothing about flying plane. I mean, I'd say I went on like a little holiday in between the lockdowns and I was 30 weeks pregnant and that's fine. So it's like, it can't be like surely a safety risk of being up in the air because I was allowed to fly.
2: Exactly. So I think they just don't want to take any risks. And I guess every pregnancy is so different. Some would be sick all the time and not being able to go out of bed. But of course, then if I would have been feeling that way, I wouldn't go flying. But since I almost didn't even know I was pregnant because I didn't feel anything, I would have happily been able to fly. But I'm guessing they just, they don't want to take any risks. So they just say, okay, no one is flying when they're pregnant. It's almost treated like a disease then. And I get so upset thinking about it because if you are feeling fine, why, why should you not be able to do your work?
1: yeah I mean it just seems baffling to me that I understand being self employed and so you're not like obliged. they don't have to give you pay or anything, but it's such a long period of time to go without being allowed to work. it's yeah. I'm like it's quite astonishing, and I wonder if it is because it's typically a male kind of dominated industry that it's something that they've not had to consider before,
2: but one hundred percent can promise you, it's probably a man that have said that, Okay, let's let's just not take any risks. So if someone is pregnant, let's just not have them fly. I don't know. (laughs) Because every woman who's gone through pregnancy and been feeling fine feels like how I feel, I would happily be flying and no one it wouldn't be a different for me.
1: I'd be so interested to know like the different airlines policies and also like what the reasons are behind it all. Let's go back. So you said that you were planning to go back to work after three months, but obviously between experiencing loss and also not feeling ready, you waited what was originally meant to be seven months and then to a year. So yeah, yeah. But like there's so much, there are so many logistics. And for anyone listening, who's thinking about going back to work, like, it's so much that like, you don't think about, isn't isn't it? Like, you know, my sister wasn't in employment. Her husband's in the army. So obviously, like, she's quite limited with options of what she can do for work because they have to move all the time. And for her, like, you know, deciding what job to go into and then, like, how much money would she make? And by the time you pay nursery, would, would it even be worth going back to work? And there's all these, like, logistics, not to mention the fact that will the baby be okay without me? Because obviously... We are like they're so used to being around us, and suddenly the thought of having to sort of pluck them away from you and kind of put them in this new environment—and obviously, if you're breastfeeding, that's a whole other side to it. What was your kind of like thought process,
2: and how did you go about finding childcare? I still find it so. We haven't put Alice in childcare yet. We went to 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 view a few different nurseries because of our working schedule it just never really made sense anyway because we need early morning shifts help and late night ones and you know the nursery hours they're not open for that but I I still find it so hard even if just leaving for work I'm like oh I'm gonna miss her I want to be with her or when I'm dropping her off to her dad when she's staying there it's it's so hard it's if it was up to me, I want to take with her all the time. She can sit in my lap when I fly the airplane. <laughs> She's it's so nice to be like, i flying first class, guys. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'm going to work with my mum. <laughs> yeah. Bring the car seat. She can sit there on the jumpsuit in the back. <laughs> it's so cool. Yeah, so,
1: so how, how therefore, if you haven't, if you haven't sorted the childcare and... Your partner or ex-partner, he, her dad, if he works at nights and you're working, I presume quite ad hoc shifts or daytime shifts. How how do you sleep? <laughs> where, where do you sleep and how?
2: So when I work, so I actually start working tomorrow and this week we couldn't. So I work in a pattern of five days and then I got four days off, which is quite generous. It's more than the usual two-day weekend. But this week we couldn't sort it out because both Alice's dad and I are working. So my mom is actually over here. She's been flying over from Sweden and she's going to stay for a week. So she'll look after Alice. But it is is really hard and it's hard to find babysitters or nannies that are flexible enough to not be here all the time. So it's not the full-time guaranteed hours. And it's every month. Her dad and I were kind of comparing our schedules and see, "Okay, this day we still need to figure out, and here we have a day that both of us are working. We need to figure it out." So it's a puzzle all the time, and it it just never ends. But it's it's just something that has to work, and in the end, Alice will always be the main priority. So yeah. we need to make sure that she will be the one looked after, first of all.
1: Also, how amazing are grandparents? Like the fact that you you said she's flying over, you know, like even tomorrow, because Tommy's on this stag too, Tommy's mum offered to fly back. She They've got a house in France, so she's flying back from France to help me. And wow, like grandparents and, and also for people that have like friends and family who live close who can help it's just like it's such a blessing isn't it like and yeah. especially if you have grandparents that are willing to fly across countries to yeah. be able to help out with the
2: juggle is yeah amazing. That my mom she's she's flexible to come over yeah very fortunate for that and also sometimes I go and and leave Alice in Sweden and she will spend time with my mom and my sister my sister's kids and she would stay there for my five working days, and then I would fly back and and pick her up again. It's so funny. Like,
1: so, what is it like flying with a baby as a pilot? Like, do you feel like you have all the tips on what to bring on a plane with a baby? Because I need
2: to hear them. <laughs> <laughs> First time I flew with Alice, she was she was seven months. I would probably have flown with her earlier, wouldn't it? Have been for COVID because I just had so many flights cancelled. So she was seven months first time I flew over to Sweden. And I think first time we went, I just had a big backpack with everything in it. And you kind of just put yourself in a situation where you're making it more difficult for yourself because you're not mobile because you have the kid and you have this big bag with all the toys and everything that you wanted to have. And you just get so heavy with carrying everything around. But been flying now, I think Alice... I don't know how many airline miles she would have, but she's been, she's quite a regular flyer. And I've learned that a small little bag with some snacks and it made it a lot easier when she actually started eating snacks when she was not just on milk. So some snacks and these pouches like the Ella's kitchens or or some of them that she loves and just a few toys. And in the end, what usually keeps her quiet is just to put melon or something on and I put it without audio to not annoy everyone around me but especially during boarding because she she would usually fall asleep as soon as we get airborne but during boarding that can sometimes take half an hour and I'm sitting there trying to hold her down and she's now one and a half and she's quite strong she starts seat in front of me and wanting to stand up or run around and during boarding they just want everyone to sit down and then yeah a little bit of melon is what saved me a lot of (laughs)
1: times i have to say the ipad i'm all about the ipad life and snacks 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 and more snacks but it is hard like when i flew to france to tommy's parents place on rhino and i think maybe because of covid i'm not sure but they keep the seatbelt sign on because they don't want people wandering around the plane Mm -hmm. and it is hard trying to convince a 16 15 month old that they have to sit on you or like at least, you know, be around you. And yeah, I mean, I really envy even today, like Tommy, he left at like four in the morning he's going to Marbella, I think I said. So I was like, I'm not even jealous of like the sunshine or the beach parties. (laughs) I'm just jealous at the thought of number one, you're getting to like, sleep in your own bed and not have to wake up at six in the morning or five in the morning or 5.30 as it was today. And also to get to take a flight on your own without
2: a child. Like what 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 was that luxury that I took for granted? I know. So when Ali's dad and I, we went to Portugal last, even if we're still together, we're still trying to do things like that every now and then. And because I can get on the flight for free when I saw Jumpsy, which means that I would Fly is a standby crew, but Thomas then had to book the ticket with Alice, so he had the, the infant ticket on his ticket, and um, I get a seat when there's seats available, which means that we wouldn't be sitting next to each other. Uh, so he had his seat with Alice, and I, I got a seat which was like ten rows further up front. And poor yeah <laughs> exactly. It was like I was like, I get to actually sit on a flight on my own, and. I could have a little bit of snacks and I could have the tray down to put my coffee on because coffee with an infant in your lap, it's just too hot to drink because you're too scared to spill it all over them and you have nowhere to put your cup. So (laughs) as you say, yeah, it was a little bit of a luxury, especially if I would hear Alice scream further back and then I would almost feel guilty sitting in the front in my own (laughs) seats and just relaxing and enjoying the flight.
0: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: Welcome to Paranormal Activity with me, Yvette Fielding. A brand new podcast bringing together people's real ghost, extraterrestrial and paranormal stories, as well as getting some inside details from those who study the supernatural. I'll be listening through your paranormal stories every week and try to understand them as well as chatting about my own encounters with an occasional paranormal investigator too. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts from including Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Acast. Just search for Paranormal Activity
2: with Yvette Fielding.
1: Do you know what I would love to talk to you about? Because funny enough, I was speaking about this with a friend who lives near me, a new mum friend, a newish mum friend, and also um, with my sister. So similar to what you were saying about you and your partner, how you work, not the conventional sort of nine to five hours. My sister, who has gone back to work now, she has to work Saturdays. And then she has like a random day off in the week. So it's not the same day off so that she could plan childcare. It's like always just a random one. And, you know, she was saying today how hard it is and how much pressure it is on her and her husband, because obviously they're not having that sort of time together on the weekend. And it means that he's working sort of his five day a week job, but then is also having the baby on his own on the weekend and just like all the like tensions and resentment that kind of comes with relationships and it's interesting because so like Tommy and I we've been together only since December 2019 whereas my sister and her husband have been together since school so they've been together for like over 15 years I think and yet it's it's very clear to me that we all sort of have the same like bickers and difficulties and tensions and rows and feelings of resentment and you know all of these things I feel like being in a relationship with a baby people can't comprehend the shift in dynamics so even the longest healthiest relationships it's almost like being in a new relationship because everything changes
2: that is the hardest because that one is actually changing more than if you haven't been together for that long before kids having kids would be your normal relationship if you've been together for 10 years before having kids then it would be like oh, it's not the same anymore. And things are so different. Whereas if you've only been together for a short period of time, your normal would be with kids. That's the relationship that you would get to know each other in.
1: Yeah, maybe you're right. I was going to say that I actually didn't know that you and your partner weren't together. So please, like, you don't have to share anything that you're not comfortable with sharing. But how do you navigate your dynamic as a relationship or even now that you're co-parenting when your shift patterns and your sleep patterns and everything is so different because presumably if he's at work in the night when you work together like that means that you are on that night shift with Alice night like, so no matter how many times she wakes up or how early she gets up in the morning that's on you
2: because he's at work exactly we never saw each other because he worked nights he would come home and then he would sleep during the day So Alice and I would still be at home and she had, she was quite colicky until about seven months. So she would be screaming all the time. So of course, wanting to let him sleep as much as possible to be able to work nights, we would try to be outside. But at the same time, I'm sitting there and being so frustrated myself because having a baby, it's like working nights as well, because you don't. I almost got jealous that he would get a six-hour solid sleep during the day because I would not get a six-hour solid sleep at night and I would definitely not get it during the day. But yeah, definitely getting back to that, navigating through relationships when you have different work patterns, you don't get the traditional weekend off. You, Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. And we had only been together for six months before I got pregnant with Alice. So I guess we didn't really have that strong of a foundation to keep building it on especially when we didn't see each other
1: yeah wow because i i mean i know how hard it's been for tommy and i and we do see each other i can i can can honestly only imagine how are you navigating co-parenting because i know there'll be lots of people who i mean it's all i feel like it's always in your head isn't it like how would i be able to do this on my own or how do you navigate that as a kind of new dynamic in both parenting and your relationship
2: in the beginning just the thought of me not having Alice all the time would totally freak me out. So I think we stayed in a relationship that wasn't healthy for us longer than we were supposed to, only because of the fear of not being with Alice every day. And I think eventually it just got to turn that... It's better to be with her and getting that quality time than her being in a relationship where the tone that we speak to each other isn't healthy for either one of us, not for him, not for me, and definitely not for Alice. And it's something that still, it really scares me because there's going to be times where she learns to speak and she learns that she has her own will. And maybe I do something that upsets her, which could be something small, like just telling her to go to bed or saying that she can't play with something at a certain time and she's going to say i want to go to daddy then and i know it will probably come things like that is going to be said even if she's not meaning it in a mean way she's you know how kids are they're going to say things mm-hmm. and it scares the holy everything out of me to be honest <laughs> it's because uh, it's something that's quite new for us yeah i think it will definitely come with challenges so Please, if anyone's been doing it for a longer period of time than I have, I'd be happy to take a lot of tips from from all of you. Yeah, maybe there is a podcast episode that we
1: could do is find somebody with who is like successfully co-parenting and has been Mm -hmm. doing it for a while. I did definitely did see research though that shows obviously it's way better to be because you know how there's this sort of old saying that's like stay together for the kids or this is this sentiment that it's better to be together for the kids even if you're not getting on. And I I saw research that actually this is like completely unfounded because of course it's better to be happy and healthy and you know for that child to be whether it's in a single household or a co-parenting dynamic and obviously not be always around like the shouting and the arguments and everything but one story that I love my friend her parents broke up when she I think she must have been like seven or eight so a bit older so she kind of knew what was going on but um her mum said that one day she kind of noticed that my friend was crying in her bed like hysterically And her mum felt so guilty. She was like, I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm taking my daughter away from her dad. And, you know, I've broken up our family. So she was going, darling, I'm, you know people people break up but they move on and they get happier and she was saying it's not fair it's not fair and anyway it turned out at the end of this whole thing that my friend was crying because take that the boy band had broken up so when her mum when her mum was saying to her people people break up my friend thought she was talking about take that this whole time whereas her mum felt so guilty that she was like what have I done to my daughter and then when when my friend was like i don't want them to break up
2: and she was like wait who's them who are we talking about and she was like take that kids. <laughs> <laughs> they adapt so he's like she didn't even think about it the breakup from her parents then so like take that that breakup was so much harder for her
1: yeah, and I have to say, she you know now has a mum and a stepdad and a dad and a stepmom, and she gets on so well with both sides of that. And she even says to me, "I can't believe my parents are ever together. They're honestly like chalk and cheese." I'm not surprised, and I know that she never ever resents either of her parents mm-hmm. for breaking up. So, yeah, That's I feel like you know too. a lot of the guilt that we feel. Yeah, I mean, imagine how how much worse you'd feel like growing up in a household of like arguments and. I mean, obviously everyone argues, but you know what I mean? Just like a constant, like, and also what that says to the child about what the norm is for relationships. So I actually think it's amazingly brave, but also like very selfless to do what's right for you. Cause ultimately that will be what's right for you, for Alice and for, yeah. you know, any, anyone that comes around in the future.
2: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Cause it wasn't, yeah. it's Breakups of course are never easy, but much better for her to grow up in two happy households than one broken one, one mm. where not talking to each other in a respectful way. And that's not, as you say, she will grow up in thinking that's how a household is like. And that's not what I want for her. Of course, everyone will, ar- will argue that we can't agree on everything, but it's about how often you do it and are the arguments more frequently than actually being friends and are you ever friends, or is it just arguments and it came to a point where it's time for her to have two happy households
1: <laughs> no i'm I'm happy for you I think it's amazing that you both did what was right for you yeah I also need to ask completely off topic by the way, but I believe from just what I've seen that you had a positive birth story. So I feel like if this is true for my lovely listeners, because, you know, we talk a lot about, there's just a lot of different birth stories. And I think to reassure anyone who is listening, who is pregnant, if there's a positive one, we need to
2: hear it. Yeah, I absolutely loved my birth or Alice's birth. And if I could do it again, I would want to have it exactly the same way. Wow. Saying that, I don't think, everything was not like perfect. It was not going when you picture your birth. I actually started getting contractions and Thomas was working nights. So I used one of these mobile apps where you can track the time between the contractions and they got to about three minutes between them. And then I thought like, Oh, well, this is going quick. Cause I've heard about people that are sitting at home for days. So I called him back from work and then they kind of stopped And he went to bed because he's been working all night and I couldn't sleep because I was still getting contractions and there were still, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say painful because I actually kind of like a period pain, but just coming a little bit more intense. It was more a curious kind of pain, but not painful. I stayed up and then I was on the phone with a friend of mine. She had just given birth three months earlier. And I said, it felt like I peed myself. So I told her, I'll call you back. I'm just going to go and have a look because it feels a little bit strange. And I didn't know that that was my water breaking, but it came out all colorful, like not pretty colors at all. And I told her, I called her back and I said, I think I need to call the midwife just to double check that everything is fine. So I called them and I was on the phone with the midwife for maybe about 10 minutes. And during Mm -hmm. this time I was getting contractions, but I wanted to be polite. So I kind of like sat like this and tensing when the contractions came and let her speak so I could like breathe them out. And she told me that, Oh, it, it doesn't sound like you have contractions, but you can come in and have, we have a look anyway. And I was like, Oh my God, it's so hurt, painful. How can you tell me I'm not having contractions? And cause I told her that it came out some water and it came with a funny color. So she said, okay, put a pad in and then come in and we will have a look at it. And I got to the hospital and my trousers were just soaked. So I had to actually change in the car because I thought I can't go into the hospital like this. It looks like I peed myself. And because it was COVID, Thomas wasn't allowed. So I had to go in on my own. And I was like, walking up the stairs, stopping on every step, like (sighs) breathing a little bit and felt like everyone was staring at me, knowing what was going on. I got to the ward and they asked me to take the pad out, but it was just so covered in like Different kind of colors and it looked disgusting. So I was too embarrassed to show it to them. So I just threw it in the bin. And then I told them instead, like, it just looked too disgusting for me to show you. I'm so sorry. And then they said, okay, we're going to have a look at you. So they, they had a look and that my, confirmed that my water had broken, but also that Alice had had a little poo inside. And okay. I didn't know that that could be dangerous. So I kind of started giggling and I was like, yeah, of course you did. And then, haha. Uh-huh. And they looked at me just very seriously, like, why are you laughing? And because I didn't know that that could potentially be dangerous for her, I felt a little bit embarrassed because then they came back and I spoke with the doctor and he said, "Okay, well, she's she had a poo. So that means that we need to get her out as as quick as we can. So I just told them, do whatever you want to do. If you need to do a cesarean you do a cesarean I'm I'm not one of them that feeling that you're stealing the birth from me because if that's going to happen if that's what's safest for Alice that's what you're going to do. And they ended up putting me on oxytocin so they're inducing hormone the drip. Right. Yeah. They asked if I wanted an epidural and that was actually the only thing that was in my birth plan. I want an epidural. Everything else I had left blank just up to the midwives and doctors but I want an epidural so they plugged in an epidural as well and then 12 hours later Alice was out wow so did you have a vaginal birth or a c-section in the end Uh, it was a vagina birth in the end yeah the oxytocin just worked really well yeah 12 hours and it was open 10 centimeters and I don't know if they can put the limit of epidural that they put, but I told, I told the midwife, uh, she said, okay, next time that you get a contraction, you're going to push and we're going to see if the head is going to, like, we're going to try to push out the head, but I want you to hold it a little bit. But I told her, I'm pretty sure that the head is coming out now. And she said, no, 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 it's fine. It's not going to come out. And the midwife kind of turned around and I said, I'm pretty sure it's coming out now. <laughs> and she turned back around again. And there was Alice halfway out <laughs> wow. in the rush. Yeah. And I presume she was, she was fine. Yeah, she was fine. She was fine. But she was a little bit shocked that she just literally just turned around and turned back again and, and she was halfway out. So I, I think I had it easy in a way that I, because she had the poo, they needed to get her out, not emergency quick, so not, cesarean, not emergency cesarean quick, but she still needed to come out. So when they put me on the oxytocin, it was only 12 hours later that she came out.
1: It's so interesting to me, like number one, that that's a positive birth story for you because amazing that it is. But, you know, it, it sounds quite like stressful. So I feel like I wonder if it's testament to your character that you like stay calm in those situations. But also what's interesting to me is why don't they give us all oxytocin? Yeah.
2: <laughs> exactly. If it really just oh, helps exactly. speed things I along. Room. I had the monitors, they, they had a monitor on her heartbeat all the time. I felt so well looked after i had a midwife that came in and checked on us every 30 minutes was alice's dad allowed in when you were actually in active labor yeah he was because i had my own room and he was allowed in the whole time he slept half of it but he woke up for the birth
1: (laughs) and what was your recovery like did you did you stay in hospital or like how soon did you manage to to get out and what was the recovery
2: like for you I stayed in hospital because she had the poo. They needed to check her oxygen level every two hours for Mm -hmm. 12 hours after she was born. So I stayed after 12 hours. They checked her oxygen level six times and they were all fine. I asked if I could go home because by then I was moved into a wardroom and I just saw these 12 other beds and 12 other screaming babies. And I thought I want to get home and sleep and I'm probably not going to sleep here. (laughs) So I asked if I could go home and they said that was fine. Little did I know that I should have stayed because I would actually have gotten more help from the midwives allowing me to sleep more because I don't think I slept anything for the last next two nights because Alice just wouldn't sleep. So if I can suggest that to anyone about to give birth, stay in the hospital for as long as they allow you because you learn so much and they will come with helpful tips and tricks um, that I felt
1: that I missed out on. That's so interesting. My friend Lucy Meck she said the same to me. I, I actually left after five hours, mainly because... Five hours, wow. Yeah, I, to be honest, I'm actually really surprised they allowed it now, no, looking back, especially cool. how big the baby was and the, you know, the tearing. But because of COVID, I, I, I wanted like, to be with tommy and i just wanted to get her i just ripped re- and i think they said because he was such a big baby they weren't worried about me establishing breastfeeding yeah. <laughs> overnight because they were like he will be fine <laughs> uh, <laughs> he he can last a week <laughs> yeah but i do remember the next day i felt really good i obviously didn't realize it. it's like the burst of adrenaline and oxytocin yeah. and, and and i remember going for a walk around the park and annoyingly like there was paparazzi there. So it ended up in the Daily Mail, which was really annoying because I hadn't told anyone yet that I'd had the baby. Oh, I just wanted to keep it to myself. But my friend Lucy was like, what are you doing walking? Get back home now, sit down. She was like, don't you like, she was like, your stitches are not going to heal if you're walking around. Like, And I had the baby on, like on the baby carrier. Cause I was so excited to try the baby out, and you know, you've got all these new toys yeah. and she was like, do not go for long walks around the park. Like you are a mad woman, like get home, sit down, recover. And I was like, Um, okay. But it was probably like the best advice because obviously now I know more about pelvic health and not loading up your pelvic floor with a baby after giving birth and stuff. But yeah, yeah, it's
2: funny, isn't it? I will take that advice for next time to actually, as you say, rest at home more. Alice dad had two days off. Well, I'm lucky that she was born on a Friday, Friday the 13th, actually. So he had the Saturday and Sunday off, was back at work on the Monday. But I wish my mom was supposed to have been in England and helped me out and my sister as well. But their flights got cancelled because of COVID. But next time, definitely going to have my mom here and I'm going to be sitting in bed or lying down in bed. And just, as you say, let the body heal a little bit more before I start walking around and going out and doing things. Yeah. And we just have to hope that there'll be no more
1: lockdowns. And that is just something that we put down to history and something that our kids will be, will be like, well, you were born during lockdown. And they'll be like, I know you tell us all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Marie, thank you so much for chatting to me. I, honestly, I find it like fascinating even like speaking to a pilot, a female pilot and to know all the ins and outs and just how you've done the juggle and breakups and makeups and it's been really really interesting and hopefully you guys all enjoyed hearing Maria's story as well
2: and thank you so much for having me and for everyone listening thank you
1: and yeah to all of you guys thanks so much as always for listening to Mums the Word and if you enjoyed the episode then don't forget you can hit the subscribe or follow button so that you never miss an episode actually next week I'm doing an episode on toddler tantrums so that could be something that you are interested in as well because I know Alf coming up to sixteen months. The anger is coming and I'm I can't wait for that though. So, yeah. It's stay the tuned. thing. You take something away from them and they just tense the whole body and throw the head back. Yeah, Alf just keeps hitting his head really aggressively and I'm like, don't hurt yourself. Yes. That is an, an episode I'm really excited to record as well. So get in touch if you want to say anything. If you've got co-parenting advice from Maria, her Instagram account is at pilot Maria. And you can also get in touch on WhatsApp. I'd love a voice message, it's free send a voice message and then we can play on the podcast it's 075-999-27537 or you can of course email me at askmums the word pod at gmail.com and i will be back with another episode on toddler tantrums same time same place next week
0: flexibility is great that's why there's yoga flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too